Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show across the nation. Yeah, that is my real name, believe it or not. The phone number, 877-973-7425. I begin with a, a personal story directly related to international affairs. You know, I got a 13-year-old son. He got an F in band. He's brought it up to an A rather quickly. You know why he got an F? He did all the work. He did the practice. He just never bothered to turn in the practice sheet. Sometimes all you got to do is show up and, and toot your horn and, and you can get an A. Sometimes, however, and, and thankfully he rebounded. Um, we, we've, we've cracked the whip on him. We, we've made him, he's got to do the homework to bring up his grades. He's got to do the homework. You know, uh, amazingly with math in particular, if you if you do your homework with math, if you remember growing up, you do your math homework, you get you ready for your quizzes and your exams. You got to put in the time and you got to do the homework. And if you do the homework, and if you're not doing well on the homework, you get some help with the homework to bring your homework grade up. Amazingly, you can bring your test grades up. It's kind of remarkable how that works. So Kamala Harris, if there is a criticism of Kamala Harris, there is one. The internal criticism of Kamala Harris, this is not me making this up. This has been in Politico. This has been in the New York Times. This has been in the Washington Post. This has been reported on CNN. The internal Biden administration criticism of Kamala Harris is that she does not do the homework. Going back to her time as Attorney General of California, staff who worked for Kamala Harris said she is notorious for never reading the briefing books. Now, I need to explain this to you because you probably don't realize, you know, our presidents and vice presidents are not expected to just know everything. They sometimes think they do. That's Kamala Harris's problem. But what their staff does is they brief them. They sit down with them. They bring in relevant parties. They explain the situation. They allow for questions to be asked. And then they give you something called a briefing book, which is generally a binder. And that binder has reports from the State Department, from the Defense Department, from the Attorney General, from the Treasury Department, from the Ag Department, from all of the relevant departments, from the CIA, from the FBI, from all the relevant agencies. And you as the principal, you as the leader, you are supposed to read and digest the information and ask questions. That is your homework Believe it or not, when you are an elected official, you have homework. That is your homework. And Kamala Harris, notorious, going back to her days as attorney general, the number one complaint from her staff is that she never does the homework, and then she gets mad at the staff for being unprepared. Here's Kamala Harris. She did it again in a summit with the Polish president. Uh, thank you, Madam Vice President. I wanted to ask you about some reporting that my colleague here in Poland noticed. He recently spoke with the mayor of the largest border town who told him that the refugee system 
is essentially not set up for this, that it will collapse. It's an improvised system that can work for maybe two weeks, but not indefinitely. And I'm wondering what the United States is going to do more specifically to set up a permanent infrastructure. And relatedly, is the United States willing to make a specific allocation for Ukrainian refugees? And for President Duda, I wanted to know if you think, and if you asked the United States to specifically accept more refugees. Okay. <laughs> a friend in need is a friend indeed. <laughs> okay, I, yeah, I can first. Okay, so this time. There goes her laughing again. Now, it was somewhat understandable is because the question was who was going to start. But then she started. The laughter was was just one part of it. Then there was her answer. I am here standing here on the northern flank, on the eastern flank, talking about what we have in terms of the eastern flank and our NATO allies. And what is at stake at this very moment? What is at stake this very moment are some of the guiding principles around the NATO alliance, and in particular, the issue and the importance of defending sovereignty and territorial integrity, in this case of Ukraine. Uh, Except we're not defending the sovereignty and territorial integrity of Ukraine. We are not defending it. NATO is not defending it. We are not involved officially. Oh my gosh, everywhere this woman goes. First she thinks she's on the northern flank. She's on the eastern flank. You're not on a flank. You're in a separate country. You're in a NATO ally who is not involved. Poland wants to be involved. Poland desperately wants to be involved. But my gosh, everywhere the woman goes, she makes the situation worse. The the the, the laughter is only one side of it. It is it's the it's the idea I'm here standing here on the northern flank, on the eastern flank. You're not on a flank. You're not in a war zone. You're in a separate country that is not involved. And you're making it worse. You're giving plausible grounds for people to say we are involved. This woman, what a disaster. And now, Deep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. That was Deep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. <laughs> oh, Charlie did such a good job with that one. Every time she's asked a tough question, here comes the laughter. Well, there, there are other tough matters afoot. This is from CNBC. Inflation, while all of this is going on, rose 7.9% in February. As food and energy costs push prices to the highest in more than 40 years. The consumer price index for February rose 7.9%, excluding food and energy, both of which moved sharply higher during the month. Core inflation still rose 6.4% in line with expectations, but the highest 
since August of 1982. Gas, groceries, and shelter were the biggest contributors to the consumer price index gain. Auto prices did ease. Worker paychecks fell further behind as inflation-adjusted earnings dropped eight-tenths of a percent in February, contributing to a 2.6% decline over the past year. So your wages are down in relation to inflation. And do you know what the Biden administration spit on this is today? Vladimir Putin. It's all Vladimir Putin's fault. It's all Vladimir Putin's fault. And you got the White House in denial about the overall numbers. Here's Jen Psaki. What specific can you point to that has worked to bring down inflation? Well, uh, there are a number of steps we've taken. If you've seen, if you compare month to month, we've seen inflationary pressure or inflationary numbers go down month to month. That's not true, Jen. I'm sorry. It's not true. Here's Rick Santelli over at CNBC. And of course, this inflation news is going to be tough for the administration. Nothing, Joe, nothing has been more politicized than inflation. Just let's hearken back to all the things we've been through. First, it was transitory. Then inflation is good. Then we went to corporate greed. Now we're at Putin. That's right. Remember, this is all corporate greed. It's all corporate greed. They're 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 janking up profits. It's all them. Elizabeth Warren has legislation out to go after the oil companies for making too much money. It's not going to go anywhere. Meanwhile, the Dow is down uh, more than three hundred points as I begin the show right now because of what's going on out there. It's bad. Also. The TSA has decided to extend the mask mandate until April 18th. You're going to keep wearing masks for another month. That's not going to do very well for, for people. It's, it's not going to go everywhere. Y'all, inflation is bad. Inflation is genuinely a bad problem right now. Uh, and the White House can't blame, although they're trying to blame it on Vladimir Putin. The problem is that this is inflation from last month. Putin didn't even go into Ukraine until this month. It's hard to blame it uh, on Vladimir Putin, but they're going to try. So you've got inflation, you've got oil and gas prices, and you, you've got uh, you've got Kamala Harris in Poland. None of this is stabilizing. Oh, and guess what? The White House is out right now actually saying that they have no interest in expanding drilling in the United States. They're going to help us. If Congress will pass a law, they will pay for your subsidy to transition to an electric vehicle, and oil will no longer be able to be used as a weapon. Are these people stupid? I don't think they're stupid. I, I think they're malicious at this point. They want... They do not want Vladimir Putin to be able to use oil as a weapon. They want China to be able to use rare earth minerals, rare earth elements as a weapon. If we transition to electric vehicles, because the United States has not kept up with China in the rare earth element race, China suddenly becomes dominant. China becomes the country by which we are dependent on them for the rare earth metals needed for electric vehicles and for computer parts. You know what China has done very shrewdly? They've gone around the world and China has bought up through shell companies a lot of the rare earth element mines in the world. A lot of the major mines for products and electronics are owned by the Chinese government. 
around the world, in South America and in Africa in particular. Even here in this country through shell companies, the Chinese have tried to buy some. Nickel, copper, aluminum. China owns a lot of those. Lithium, China owns a ton of that stuff. It's been by strategic design by the Chinese government to do it. And now by making us less dependent on oil, we're becoming more dependent on China. It's all part of China's master plan. By the way, I don't think, I, I, I really, I don't. It's I realize every, everybody's a conspiracy theories, theorist these days. I don't actually think that they want, the American government wants us to be dependent on China. I don't, I don't think they do. I think they think it's going to happen anyway. I think the, it, it's one of those things where they don't think they can tell us. I think it's not part of their master plan to have us be a vassal state to China. I think they think the whole world is headed in that direction, and they're trying to soften the landing for us. They are no longer root for American independence. They're trying to find a world where we can coexist with China as the dominant partner. And they don't want to tell us that. Because uh, they, they give us all the slipsters. Oh, America, we're the best nation of the planet. Rah! United States, rah! And they don't really believe it anymore. They certainly don't act like they believe it. Instead, what they act like they believe is that China is about to be the dominant player in the world and we better find our place in that world. Decline is a choice. And Joe Biden and the Democrats, they have chosen to decline can be on the show yes you can you can call in 877-973-7425 y'all i occasionally am good for something besides just talking to the president radio. biden i'd like to ask uh, you three consecutive it. i'm not good at pressing the button at the right time <laughs> but you know I, i've been listening to all of this all of this nonsense by the biden administration that all of the economic issues out there right now are vladimir putin's fault not Joe Biden's fault. And I just, I, I went back into the Wayback Machine and I found all of the video clips. And I myself used my Final Cut Pro video editing skills and I made a montage of videos going back to the Democratic debate in 2020. Uh, we start with Tim Alberta in the PBS NewsHour Politico debate, asking a question. I want you to listen to this montage. Vice President Biden, I'd like to ask you, three consecutive American presidents have enjoyed stints of explosive economic growth due to a boom in oil and natural gas production. As president, would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth, even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Number one, no more subsidies for fossil fuel industry. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Ends. I've been against Keystone from the beginning. Putin's war is already hurting American families at the gas pump. The reason why the price of gas is going up is not because of steps the president has taken. They are because President Putin is invading Ukraine. Uh, egregious activities of Vladimir Putin. Um, even if we drilled as much as we could, uh, the price of oil is still set globally. There is no amount of domestic production that we can do. I've used every tool available to address price increases. And it's beginning to work. Take gasoline and gas prices. Last week, I announced the largest ever release from the United States Strategic Petroleum Reserve, 
We've seen oil and gas prices out of the wells, oil and gas prices on the wholesale market come down significantly. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Ends. Using a straw to eating a burger, am I part of the problem? In a certain way, yes, but the most exciting thing is that we can all be part of the solutions. Uh, families that once they own that electric vehicle will never have to worry about gas prices again. I mean, I drive a Chevy Bolt, which is an electric vehicle. I don't have to buy gasoline. I have solar panels on my house, so I drive on sunshine. Putin's war. Because President Putin is Vladimir Putin. There's no amount of domestic production we can do. Number one. No more subsidies for fossil fuel industry. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Ends. And again, that's why we have resolved to speed our transition towards cleaner, more sustainable, and renewable sources of energy. There you have it. Oh, I put that. I was rather proud of myself and my video editing skills. You know, for all the stuff them saying that there's there's no amount of drilling we could do. Did you know that that oil prices fell five percent yesterday when the United Arab Emirates announced they would support increased OPEC production? They went back up when the uh, UAE walked that back. They fell. You heard Joe Biden talk about this when he released from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. The the oil prices fell immediately. It's not like the oil immediately got into the system, but they fell immediately. Oil is a futures market. Being a futures market, it responds at present to what it believes will be a future impact. By the way, there was a report out from the New York Times. The Biden administration has suspended more offshore drilling. Why? Because a federal judge in Louisiana told the Biden administration they could not change the cost calculation on climate change. I didn't even realize this was the case. In order to drill a lease out in the Gulf of Mexico in a, a, a U.S. area, the government has to assess the climate change impact. What's the cost per ton of carbon? They said 51 extra dollars for a ton of carbon. The Trump administration refigured it and went down to $7, and the Biden administration snapped their finger, just raised it back to $51, uh, which meant they had to curtail drilling. A federal judge told them to cut it out, go back to the $7 the Trump administration assessed it as, so the Biden administration just stopped allowing drilling in the Gulf of Mexico, but yet they say there's nothing they could do. They could change their mind right there and get prices down immediately. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let's go to the phones. Kenny, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Kenny? Yes. Welcome to the program. How are you? Good, good. So what's going on? Well, I'm just, I listen to the to the show a lot. And then, you know, you turn over and listen to the mainstream and this administration. I work in the oil patch. I've already been to five oil rigs since 3 o'clock this morning. Wow. And you hear them talk wow. about the oil. Eric, you don't just say, I'm going to stand a rig up next week. Right. And and it happened. It's a lot of capital investment. And with uh, the way there's no trust for this administration, Who's going to put up a capital investment that it takes 
with no guarantee that they're going to be up in two months. And yep. even if we could stand them up, there is such a shortage of workers in the oil field right now. Uh, these are 85,000 to 120,000 a year jobs. And the rigs I was just counting while I was waiting, there is over 40 openings on these five rigs. They can't hire people. Right. Nobody can pass drug or background. Nobody's applying. Mm-hmm. And these are rigs you, you can live anywhere in the United States. You work two weeks on and two weeks off and make between 7500 and 8000 for that two weeks. Yeah, you know, my now, dad... Kidding, my dad worked for Conoco for years um, in the Gulf of Mexico. Would be there for a week, home for a week. Yep. We moved to Dubai. He was yep. seven and seven, and then moved twenty eight and twenty eight when we moved home. Uh, he was a production foreman, uh, and he, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where I mean, I, I keep going back to two thousand eight when George W. Bush said we'd open yep. uh, gas in the Gulf of Mexico. The futures market fell immediately, but it took two years to get the rigs out there. But it impacted the futures yeah, market immediately. But it takes like two years to do. Yeah, just the service. I work in the service sector of the oil patch. Mm-hmm. And I'm, our company right now would hire 35 people if we could get them. And we have tried for a solid year. And we've hired six. It, nobody's wow. putting in that. And they say, well, we got 4% unemployment. And, and I, I, I tell people... No, a lot of people have just give up. They don't even count them. Mm-hmm. The, the active, that's actively pursuing a job is all they count, not the ones that just give up and went on welfare. They don't right. even count them. It just yeah. makes you sick to hear it. And, you know, I, I was talking to, to a friend of mine yesterday who's in the oil industry who said that the other thing we got to remember, he was emphasizing something I'd already said, is there's a steel shortage, too. So you want to get the steel pipes, uh, you're, you're having a backlog oh, yeah, there, too. Yeah. So everything. Yeah, now, let, let me uh, ask you something. You, you, Kenny, you mentioned some just as an aside, but I want to follow up with you because I've heard this uh, out in Oklahoma in particular and, and also in Nebraska and the, and the Dakotas. you got to get a drug test. And, and younger kids these days, uh, with marijuana being legal and accessible in so many places, a lot of people, they can't pass the drug test to get the job because they don't want to hire you if you test positive for marijuana. You can't hire them. Because CDL. Yeah. Yep. DOT will not let you, even though it's legal to buy in Oklahoma, there's a shop on every corner. If you eat a brownie, it's got it in it, you test positive, then you you don't have a CDL license. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it, this administration in a year, in a year and a half, it's just unbelievable how sick it makes me. I, last week we had that freedom uh, convoy of truckers that right. come through Tulsa, where I live. We went down. I wanted my kids to see it. There was about uh, eight or ten of us that went down there. There was every overpass had five hundred or more people. So I run home and I'm going to that evening going to watch the news. The week before, they had a protest in downtown Tulsa, and it was uh, one of the groups that is just kind of radical. I counted yeah. on all three news stations in Tulsa carried it. They're all major news stations. There was 14 people there. They did not, not one news station carry the Freedom Convoy. Oh, right. Well, because they weren't nearly as as violent and disruptive as the media hoped they would be. You you know, if they had showed up and they had the the swatch stickers and and the the, the flags that the media expected them to have, we'd still be hearing about it. But because they were 
peace-loving, freedom-loving Americans who didn't cause a problem. Uh, nobody wanted to cover them. Look, Kenny, I got to let you go there. I appreciate the phone call very much. Uh, be safe on the road out there. But, you know, it, it really, it, it was not the Freedom Convoy was not a big deal to the press because they didn't behave badly. Had they behaved badly, my goodness gracious, uh, there would have been wall-to-wall coverage of everything going on there. It's just that the double standard in the press is so predictable these days. Now, I want to I, I wanna go to Congress. I want to shift gears a little bit. And I want to play for you first some audio from a really good friend of mine. His name is Chip Roy. He's been on the show a bunch. He's just a stand-up guy. He's now a member of Congress from Texas. He is the only member of Congress in Texas who is in a multi-man contested primary who got over 80% of the vote in the primary. He's the incumbent. They redrew, redrew his lines. He had three people run against him, and he got 82 83% of the vote. He's a stand-up guy. He and his wife are some of the finest people I know. And he is a man of principle in Congress. And last night, he had the Democrats just spitting bullets mad because he made them actually vote. The Democrats wanted a free ride. They wanted unanimous consent to pass a bunch of spending bills last night because they wanted to go to their retreat today. And Chip said no and made them vote. Before he got there, though, he had some choice words for his own side and the Democrats. And I want you to listen. This is Congressman Chip Roy of Texas. Well, I appreciate the speaker. I appreciate the ability to address a few of my colleagues here on the floor of the House. I would note, though, here we are again. We're sitting here at the precipice of a government funding uh, running out. And I hear all my colleagues talking about uh, how great it is. We're going to come up with some great big omnibus bill. And I'm hearing that from my colleagues on both sides of the aisle. Nobody in America wants us to plus up more spending irresponsibly. Nobody in America wants us to say, oh, let's pat ourselves on the back now because some of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle are saying, well, you know what, it's time now to ban Russian oil. It's not good enough to ban Russian oil if we're not going to open up American oil and gas. All we're going to do is provide more money to Venezuela, more money to Saudi, more money to Iran. But yet, that's being touted as a victory. And some of my colleagues on this side of the aisle are saying, okay, good, oh, this is great. But my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, they don't want any oil. They don't mind your gas being $4, $7, $10 a gallon. Don't get played. But my colleagues on this side of the aisle are about to get played. And everybody back home is saying, what are you going to do to stop vaccine mandates? Nothing. What are you going to do to secure the border? And my colleagues on this side of the aisle are going to say, oh, don't worry. We're going to give you more money for ICE, more money for Border Patrol. But you know what that does? It makes it worse. Because you're funding the processing of people at our border. Because that's all Border Patrol and ICE are doing. But my colleagues on this side of the aisle are going to say, oh, look at us. We did something for you for border security. It ain't true. It's going to make it worse. And anybody who's been to the border, anybody who talks to Border Patrol, anybody who talks to ICE knows that's true. We're not going to get a vaccine mandate. We're not going to get a secure border. And we're not going to get more oil and gas being produced in America. And then we're going to say, great, let's have a vote and send more lethal aid to Ukraine. And we're not even going to have a debate down here about what we're doing and funding Ukraine 
with Putin rolling over Ukraine, all we're doing is backroom deal-making, waiting for somebody to drop a bill on the floor of the House and then come down and vote yes or no. Amen and amen and amen. I've debated. I've debated whether to say what I'm going to say or not. I've decided I'm going to say it because it needs to be said. We're living through a political realignment right now. A lot of Democrats are moving to the right. Bill Maher sounds conservative on some issues, not all. You got guys like Glenn Grinwald, who's a a pro-Russia leftist who gets mistaken these days for being a conservative. He's not. He's he's a pro-Russia leftist. There's just there's a, a, a discombobulation out there on the left and the right. There are a lot of conservatives these days who say, well, what does conservatism ever conserve? Well, the Constitution, for one. But they think, we, we need something else. We need something new. And, and then you've got a lot of the, the organizations out there that had been conservative are now just Republican. And that deeply disappoints me. Um, I'm Googling because I, I need a specific piece of information. Yeah, that's what I thought. My gosh. Wow. Yeah, this needs to be said. There are 211 members of Congress who are Republican. 213, actually. 213 members of Congress who are Republican. I have always liked the Heritage Action Scorecard because it's always been a measure of conservatism, not of republicanism. But when Jim DeMint left the organization, there was contention there that he was making it too aggressive against his own side. I don't know what's happened. I love Heritage Action. The the people involved, they're fantastic people. They are, are fantastic people. And they mean well and they've got great ideas. But how do 208... Republicans out of 213 have a scorecard from Heritage Action over 90%. Y'all, standing up to Biden should be like breathing. You don't get gold stars for breathing. It's just what you're supposed to do to stay alive. The American Conservative Union gave 122 Republicans awards for scores over 80%. How do you get a score being over 80% as Republican? Just you show up and you vote against Biden. Where are the real conservatives? The Republicans and the Democrats on a bipartisan basis just passed an omnibus spending bill for trillions of dollars and avoided a government shutdown. It seems like to me the people who voted no should be the ones to have the high scores, not the people who voted yes. It seems to me the conservatives who are willing to take a stand against their own side are the ones that conservative organizations should be scoring for and not providing cover for Kevin McCarthy, who's not a conservative. Where are the principal people? Is it any wonder? 
Is it any wonder you have a great many people on the right thinking, ah, what the hell does conservatism stand for? I might as well go over and do something else now because even conservatives don't care about conservatism. Is it any wonder that we have these situations when the conservative standard bearers out there are like, yep, everybody gets a gold star. You get 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 a, it's like the Oprah Winfrey. You get a car. You get a car. You get a car. 90% ratings for 208 people. And now the American Conservative Union, I don't know if you've seen this, Matt Schlapp, is alleged to have taken money from one of the George Soros organizations. At CPAC this year, they did not have a single pro-life panel. They said, well, pro-life is woven throughout. No, it matters when you actually have a discussion about social conservatism. Matt Schlapp is out there call, calling Leah Thomas, the, the dude who's on the swim team at the University of Pennsylvania, uh, she saying, I mean, we should clearly be sympathetic to what she's going through. And 30 years from now, when she tells her story, she's not a she, she's a he. Words matter. It's the co-opting of pronouns that try to pressure us into buying into a transgender agenda that is deeply antithetical to science itself. And you got the leader of a conservative group not having pro-lifers on stage. Well, everyone was pro-life on stage. You didn't have a specific event dedicated to it. You didn't have anything related to social conservatism. What you had were clickbait titles designed to own the left. If owning the left means we're giving up on pro-life and we're giving up on sanity in sexuality, Count me out of it, too. Is it any wonder people are fleeing the conservative movement? The, 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 the guardians of conservatism seem like they've become the biggest grifters on the planet. As hostile as I sound, I mean it lovingly. Guys, come on. There are not 208 Republicans in Congress who are worth giving a 90% scorecard to. American Conservative Union has always been pay-for-play conservatism. They need to clean up their house. If we don't clean up our house, other people will clean up our house. And what we see right now is a great mass exodus from conservatism of people who are fundamentally conservative. But they look at the conservative movement and they see a bunch of people cashing in, not standing on principle. Republicans in Congress are as culpable for our national debt as the Democrats are. And Republicans in Congress are going along with Democrats on a massive spending increase. And Republicans in Congress have not done anything to really stand up for people who don't want to get the vaccine. Shut down the government. Oh, but we can't because the voters won't like us. We won't. Your quest for power is what causes you to lose power. You're so obsessed with getting it, you'll never get it. The Democrats are about to lose power because they're so obsessed with maintaining power. They're doing a whole lot of stupid stuff to keep their base in play, and their base is full of blithering idiots and progressive radicals. Conservatism should stand for something other than what the Republican Party wants. Conservatism should be distinct from the Republican Party. And if you are a conservative in Congress, you should be voting against massive spending packages that grow government, not voting for them. And if you are voting for them, please turn in your credentials to me. I will be happy to police the conservative movement for you since you don't seem capable of doing it. If you're voting for massive spending increases and supporting Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. 
Disney has decided to get itself involved in the uh, parental uh, bill of right, education bill of rights in Florida. That's what the left and now the media calls the don't say gay bill. It says nothing of the sort. It says you can't teach sex to kindergartners, first, second, and third graders. That's what it says. You, you can't teach sex, sexual orientation, uh, how to have sex, any of that sort of stuff to young kids. It's not age appropriate. And, and parents are fine with the bill. It's the left outraged about this. Disney has gotten involved on behalf of the leftists. Some Georgia Republicans who are running for office, I'm afraid, have gone down the rabbit hole, though, and they're doing something terrible. And, you know, bandwagoning is always a terrible thing. In Georgia, some friends of mine, by the way, they are friends of mine, have decided to advance a piece of legislation that, of all things, could prohibit private religious schools from teaching Genesis to elementary school kids. That's right. Uh, Georgia is advancing a bill, and the left's calling it a don't say gay bill. It's actually uh, the Florida bill just says you can't teach in public school about uh, sex to elementary school kids. What the Georgia Republicans are doing is they want to ban any teaching about gender and sexual orientation to elementary school kids in private schools, in religious schools. How can you ban a religious school from teaching Genesis 1? You want to start them early on that. God created male and female. It's part of Genesis. And if this bill were to pass in Georgia, it would prohibit private Christian schools from teaching the Bible to elementary school kids. They just decided to bandwagon on it in the least thoughtful approach. I mean, the the language in the legislation is ridiculous. No private or non-public school or program shall promote, compel, or encourage classroom discussion of sexual orientation or gender identity in primary grade levels or in a manner that's not appropriate for the age. So you could not discuss God creating Adam and Eve, male and female, to an elementary school in Georgia. That's stupid. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. you got the economy. you got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.